Hello and welcome inside episode 18 of the Scully Scoop podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully. Well, sports slowly coming back. NHL, MLB, NBA, they're all in training camps. MLB set to start in a couple of weeks. NHL and NBA around August 1st. Going to be very exciting. And hey, as well, Tiger Woods finally back in the field playing PGA Tour golf this week at the Memorial. It's an awesome time to be a sports fan. It's going to be fun to watch all these progress as the summer goes on. And I'm also very excited about my guest on today's show. It's in a subject that I'm not all too familiar with, but I certainly learned a lot in this interview. We go one-on-one with Kung Fu and Martial Arts instructor Ryan Kennedy. He's at the Toronto Wing Chun Academy and also has direct lineage to Bruce Lee's master. Pretty crazy there. Let's go to the interview with Ryan Kennedy. And we're pleased to welcome martial arts and kung fu instructor Ryan Kennedy to the show. Ryan, welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Thanks so much, Adam. It's great to, great to be here, even though we're both here and there at the same time. Yeah, it's nice to virtually meet you. Uh, you're saying before this interview, uh, we have a mutual connection through our buddy Clay McCoy. So I uh, appreciate Clay setting this yeah, up. Yeah, I watched your uh, I watched your interview with uh, with uh, Mark McCoy. That was really fun. Yeah, he's uh, he's a fascinating guy. I learned so much not only about his craft, but with with dieting and fitness. And we're going to get into a lot of stuff around fitness in this interview. Yeah. But first. This is some of the craziest time we've ever seen in the world. How has this unprecedented time during the pandemic been for you? Well, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, I'll admit. You know, uh, you know, we realized early on uh, that you know I had to close my club, so that was the mm-hmm. first hardest hurdle <clears throat> to get through. Um, you know, I was involved with. In, you know, we had our club open for close to fifteen years. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was tough because we realized without any timeline on what was going on, there's a lot of unknown things uh, at that moment. And um, so, yeah, the, the first month or so was, was pretty tough, I'll, I'll admit. You know, we had to deal with also like getting, like leaving and there's tons of equipment and things to deal with. And uh, it's, it, there's a lot of anxiety and we, you know, we couldn't all just show up. We probably could have moved out in an afternoon if a hundred people could just show up and help. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's good to see certainly things starting to calm down a little bit, but uh, yeah, that was, that was hard. And, 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 you know, wow. Like, I don't even know uh, where to begin, but uh, you know, we had to do what we had to do. It just didn't seem safe to try to continue. Uh, you know, most of what we do is contact, you're yeah. facing each other, it's, it's, you're breathing heavy directly at each other. And it just seemed like, yeah, we need to step back and try to figure out what's really going on. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was the first step. And then I guess the next stage was like adapting to mm-hmm. being home. You know, uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I'd ever really spent this much time in my home (laughs) you know i was the type of person that would kind of you know wake up have my coffee and then off i'm gone to the club and i'd be you know in and out sometimes back and forth but you know certainly to get get adapted to that um took some time and and uh the the weather wasn't as nice i have a rooftop uh, balcony as i was mentioning earlier with a Mm. have a garden up there but early in march there wasn't much uh, gardening to be doing right um and so 
Yeah, I was just sort of waiting to see what was going to happen. And unfortunately, you know, we had to let our members know that we weren't going to try to stretch them out either. You know, it didn't mm -hmm. seem fair to, to try to charge money for something that didn't seem like we could provide at that moment. And we had our hopes that we could hang in there, but business wise, it just didn't make, doesn't make dollars. It doesn't make sense. You know, it just, it's just not really feasible. And unfortunately, a lot of gyms, I think are, they're feeling it. They're feeling it big time. And uh, especially the smaller ones, mm -hmm. which we would be considered, you know, a kind of a niche type thing that we like to do. And, uh, but you know, we'll adapt and, you know, now with the nicer weather, we're outside. Some of us, I got a, you know, a core group that we're able to meet once or twice a week, Good. Good. you know, enough space. And, and, uh, that's, that's how we're coping now. That, that's good. So you mentioned obviously closing the gym early on the pandemic. We saw some snow in May, like the weather's just been nuts here uh, in the GTA, but have you been able to do any training virtually at all? Is, has that been possible? Well, uh, yes, some, yeah, I've done some, some classes like what we're doing right now uh, all over this platform here on zoom. And uh, initially I, I was not ready for that. There was too much, you know, in my personal life dealing with all of that. So I was doing um, YouTube lessons for free. I just okay. wanted to kind of get out some, some things I didn't know. I mean, you know, there was a lot of strain on the, the world and I needed to kind of outlet uh, myself as well. And I thought my students wouldn't be able to necessarily all get together all at once at a set time. So I wanted to do something a little bit uh, easier to access, you know, for everybody. So I, I, you know, I was trying to post up once or twice a week on my YouTube channel, uh, you know, training ideas for small spaces, you know, since I went from uh, 5,000 square feet to uh, a bachelor apartment, yeah. kind of, wow, there's a lot of things I need to adapt. And, and how I go about, um, you know, practicing and, and working out and things like that. You know, I've got a little thicker, I will, I'll admit, because <laughs> it's hard. Because most of my activity was sort of built into teaching and training. Right. I would be a participant in all of my own classes, right? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. So before we get more into your career and, and training, how did you initially get into martial arts and get interested in that field? Yeah, well... You know, uh, partly by necessity, when I was young, I felt like there was a need for self-defense and, and a bit of confidence. And, and I was a, somewhat of an athletic uh, youngster, you know, and uh, but for some reason, the team sports uh, didn't really fill that, mm -hmm. uh, fill that for me. So I, I came across uh, boxing, I think, when I was about 16, you know, in, in middle high school sort of time. And uh, it just sort of really was something that I, I thought was incredibly like challenging, but also, you know, you didn't have to sit on the bench and wait for your turn. You know, you could just get up and do it. You could skip rope. And I still do a lot of those basics all the time. And then out, out of, uh, out of school, I met my first master, my first teacher in Wing Chun. Uh, that was here in Toronto, actually right near uh, the old Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. At that time, you know, I had uh, I had a, a you know a, a decent job for a kid out of uh, out of high school, so I had a bit of money, and I was like, "Well, oh, okay, I can do this." And it was probably the first thing that I ever, you know, 
did on my own uh like you know my parents didn't pay for it or anything i was like i was all in i was like okay let's do this and you know the the people is what kept me going like you know my mentors my my sifu my teacher and uh, the group the club was awesome and so we were able to you know uh develop you know and when you're learning something having fun and it's a challenge physically and mentally at the same time um there's nothing really like that you know and and so little by little i kind of i eventually inherited that school from my teacher and, and developed it into the toronto wing chun academy so it's been a long you know a long run like close to 25 years now but it's it's just the best thing martial arts people are so cool and they're they're just all different types you know all different shapes and sizes all different you know personalities you know and, and you just have to learn how to navigate all that and it teaches you to you know kind of respect everybody and don't take anything just at face value too you have to you know you know, keep an eye on everybody right yeah absolutely okay so you mentioned wing chun there you do a lot of your work with chinese martial arts and wing chun kung fu for those who don't know what that is give our listeners and viewers uh, a brief a summary what what is that what do you do yeah it's uh it's a chinese martial arts are all classified as kung fu uh wing chun is a particular branch of that mm -hmm. and uh you know some famous uh people have practiced wing chun bruce lee being you know the most obvious uh and his his master was someone named yip man uh who came from hong kong uh well he came from china originally moved to hong kong later in his life and that's where he became Bruce Lee's teacher. And he was also what, what I call my grandmaster, was one of Bruce Lee's peers back then. And so he taught my master, who is uh, Sifu Redmond, uh, Sifu Philip, I uh, hope he's watching. Uh, he's out of uh, Hermosa Beach. I'll definitely make sure he sees this in California. And, um, you know, so that's, uh, Wing Chun is uh, actually kind of unique in the martial art world as uh, Wing Chun is actually the name, um, the story goes, the legend goes of the woman who it was named after. So it was, uh, has some characteristics that, uh, you know, from a perspective of self-defense, you can't just overpower someone who's bigger and stronger than you. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the characteristics of Wing Chun are, are a little bit more reflex based position wise. And, and it's not uh, direct con conflict with, you know, if you have something stronger than you, you need to develop other skills, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of the, the basis of it. It's a, it's primarily a self-defense, you know, artwork, if you will, there's weapons involved and, and also, uh, in the later stages, um, you know, no gloves, things like that. When you're, when you're outside and you're, you're, uh, not preparing, uh, for a contest, you know, things tend to happen spontaneously. So you're developing a certain, you know, awareness about your body and, and what's going on around you all the time. But the fun part is the, the training, you know, when you're actually interacting with your classmates and you're, you're, you're developing that as you, as you go along. Right. And it's a, it's a process, but it's a fun one. It's, it's certainly something that, uh, translates into, into other arts or sports as well too. Like, you know, you spend some time developing your coordination, uh, between two arms uh, and your legs and your footwork and you know how to develop power and how to mentally stay you know calmer to allow your body to rea react and respond uh, appropriately 
you know Interesting. and yeah so those are you know some of the things wing chun is uh you know it's it's it gets pretty deep you know but at the same time it's it's pretty simple you know uh you, you want to keep your your technical stuff you don't need a million moves you need to be good at a handful of of core ones and then you spend the rest of your life learning how to blend it all together right yeah right on right that's fascinating so you mentioned some reflex work some reactionary work as we were discussing before uh, getting this going i was a goalie so I, I get where that's coming from what kind of is there any like what kind of reactionary training or training are you doing for reflexes well we have a, a really specialized one as you know like i'm <clears throat> i mean i've i've not been a goalie but i can imagine that you have a visual reflex right mm -hmm. so what you see and and as that gets closer the the time your reaction time is reduced right as someone gets right. closer and closer right and so you have to be able to read you know visually what you think is they're doing you know your opponent in a say boxing or kickboxing you know they're generally trying to strike you so you have to be able to you know look and understand how that mechanically looks like you know and have it done to you enough times that you know which way to go and develop your strategies um and then we have what's uh what we work on a lot is what we call contact reflexes so where you're actually touching a person and you're that close the visuals is less uh useful in a way because there's a little delay between what you see processing and then doing you know your reaction and once you get you know face to face or within arm's reach of each other uh that you know that's not fast enough basically right? imagine they're taking the penalty shot but they start in the crease yeah you know, <laughs> good luck <laughs> it's too much it's not enough time to really set up right so we do exercises where both uh the limbs are touching each other mm -hmm. and then one person would generally sort of feed you know attacks at uh starting off in a pattern you know and then eventually gets randomized uh where you just have to develop your reflex to recognize what's going on instantly and uh, you know of course mistakes happen but in training you're you're more developing that quickness and understanding of what's a good move and maybe what's less favorable you know and so you can practice and drill of course these things um so we call it chi sao chi sao is uh, the chinese term for it yeah but it's it's basically a a contact you know kind of like if you notice how in judo when they grab onto each other mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're probably not seeing as much as they're feeling what's happening. Right. Right. You know, and so when you feel right. pressure against you, okay, I'm going to yield here and I need to uh, reverse this somehow, you know, and maybe I can take advantage of someone who's using too much force or they're overcommitted to something. They're going to, you know, sometimes uh, leave a weakness like their balance or, you know, their own reaction time is reduced once you're leaning a little bit. Right. So that must be in, you know, as a goalie, a daunting task as so that some of those players are on a breakaway coming at you and the pucks going back and forth, you know, there's a lot to think about and you can only think about it in practice mm -hmm. when it's actually happening at real speed. It's got to be a lot more, uh, you know, natural, I guess. You know? A hundred percent agree. It's got to be reactionary. You can't think when you're out there, you just got to react and, and trust that what you did in practice is going to pay off in a game situation. So that's a reactionary thing. But in terms of fitness for you, when you're doing your training with your athletes or for yourself, is there an area where you have to be the strongest at? Is it your core? Is it your legs? Is it your arms? Is it your cardio? Is it all of the above? Yeah, I mean, if you have a weakness somewhere, trust me, your opponent's going to try to find it, 
you right. know, and so right. if that's in your conditioning, you know, in your, uh, if you get, if you lose, if you get tired first, yeah. Hey, you know, if you win because they get tired first, you still win. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so in, in competition, you know, fitness is a big part of it in, in day to day, it's probably more about your awareness and your, uh, you know, like if you're just talking about general safety and self-defense for the general public, who's not interested in competing, you probably need, you know, you need a base level of fitness and that's going to be, you know, that's a requirement for anybody, anytime, you know, especially nowadays, I think that exercise is, is critical to, uh, you know, keeping a good state of mind, you know, as well, when you take care of yourself, it's not just your, you know, just what you eat and then how you think and how you behave and, and your emotional side is tied to fitness and you need a, I need an outlet personally, yeah. you know, I, I miss my punching bags. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't have them, but you know, things like that, it makes a big difference in just how you, whew, okay, I can let that out. But for, uh, you know, fitness is a big part of, of taking care of yourself right and and self-defense and martial arts it's it's you know kind of intertwined there yeah, but at yeah. the same time there's a lot of skills that you have to learn in a in a way that uh, if you're totally exhausted you're not going to get those finer details so you need to try to to organize the training in a way i think that you know you can get what you want out of your fitness and you know as long as you're using your time well because mm -hmm. there's so much to learn that uh you know if you're exhausted you can't learn anything right you, know, so you need to uh, you know I, I would sort of portion out parts of the day and and devote them to specific you know elements of the training if you will whether that was throughout the week throughout the day throughout the month and a longer cycle throughout the year and so on yeah that's fascinating so i guess it's it's a balance between physically training and physically getting better to mentally training and mentally better and managing that time. And I guess that can really be applied to a lot of sports too. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can over condition yourself to the point where, you know, I mean, it depends on, on the sport, certainly, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in combat sports are very unforgiving, you know, yeah. in the sense of, you know, when, when you're not prepared, you can get hurt, you know? And so, uh, if, if that's what you're going towards, you got to take that really, really seriously. Like it's a job because if you go in on red, not, not prepared, you know, it's, it's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to hurt anyways, but it's, it's going to hurt a lot more. And, you know, uh, nobody needs uh, unnecessary risks, mm -hmm. but I think mm -hmm. that element of danger is also probably, you know, what makes it exciting too. You know, if there was no risk involved, and you gotta, you know, there's different levels of that, of course, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, we, we would have uh, every two months uh, an open fight night at our club uh, in the past, of course. Uh, we hope Not to get that eventually, yeah. you know, eventually yeah. we'll get back, you know, but, uh, you know, we would have, you know, beginner levels who would fight at a light contact type level, you know, kind of touch sparring type yep. ideas all the way up to, you know, very high level folks were coming out and, you know, it wasn't really a tournament or a competition in the sense of there was no trophy or, or you know, belt out there. It was more of a self-development and a challenge. And at a certain point, you need to have, uh, need to train with people you don't know. You, know you have to learn how to assess, you know, someone's strengths and weaknesses and whether they're a threat and in what way. 
um, you know, is really important for the development. You know, of course, it's not always going to go your way. Um, you win some, you lose some. But you know, it's when you when you don't uh, perform well, you you should learn a lesson from that, right? Yeah, you definitely. I'd say in in this and any other sport, you, you learn more from when you lose versus when you win. So that's that's fascinating. I want to talk Absolutely. a little bit more of your career here, Ryan. Uh, you're you're the co-founder of the Fighting Arts Collective of Toronto, FACT. Your fact. Tell us yeah. what that means and what that's all about. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'll just give a quick shout out if you don't mind to my two partners there, Sean Zerger and Brian Nakamoil. Uh We. Uh, got together. We didn't know each other. We had some mutual friends about 15 years ago, and we were each uh, we each had a martial arts training group. My specialty being Wing Chun. Sean Zerger, who runs the Zerger Academy now, did uh, Jeet Kune Do and Filipino martial arts, hmm. a little bit more modern, uh, you know, stuff as well. And my other partner Brian did uh, historical European medieval martial arts. And so it was a pretty wild group. And back then, I, I can't think of any martial arts school that had a, like, a group. It was always sort of an individual style, like a karate school, and that's all that happened there and so on. So we came together and decided we'd have a, a lot better chances as a, as a collective, essentially. And we shared a space and we split up days and times and we focused on our, our specialties. And uh, over the years, we grew to include a circus school, uh, different fitness groups, karate school, tai chi schools, different like-minded martial arts who martial artists and instructors who are interested in, uh, you know, sharing, you know, instead of being a secret. You know, back in the olden days, I think martial arts was very secretive. You know, yeah. and prior to the internet and and so on this was things that you know hey they were these were life and death things back in the day so you would not be openly sharing them but nowadays it's a little bit more of a public thing public uh, accessible to everybody hmm. and so it took a little getting used to but we really in a way it was amazing experience for me to be exposed to different martial arts which would generally be just you know something theoretical that you could only think i think this is what a wrestler does i think this is what a you know a boxer does but you know unless you you see one in real life you don't get that real experience and so um it was truly like a great experience and i'm i'm really miss i really miss it but i'm yeah. also hopeful that uh you know we'll we'll find another way and, and a lot of ways, martial arts, it's, it's in our blood. It's not really an address or a place. And uh, so I know that my partners are going to have a good run and find a new way and adapt to this new way of doing things. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of, part of it. Yeah. yeah, it's certainly a new way of doing things for, for everyone. That's so interesting to learn other crafts. I'm, I'm very yeah. fascinated by that. Now, we mentioned this is obviously a wild time in the world right now. But during, let's say, a regular time, whether whenever we get back or let's say and you know, Jan or Feb, when the world was quote unquote normal, give mm -hmm. us a sense of what a day in the life of Ryan Candy would be in regards to training and coaching as a head instructor at the Toronto Wing Chun Academy. Yeah, well, I would, uh, I would teach daily classes at noon. Uh, so I would uh, kind of have my, uh, my morning uh, routine going mm -hmm. and get on mm -hmm. my bike and ride to the club, uh, which would be close to 10k. Oh, so wow. I'd be nice, nicely warmed up. And then yeah. uh, 
have a half hour to prepare for a class and then we would train for about 90 minutes and then I would have a series of those classes throughout the day and I would wrap up around eight or so at night most days during the week and then I would do half days on the weekend mm -hmm. um, so it was pretty much daily and and I would like I was saying earlier I had most of my physical activity built into that you know yeah. I'm participating I'm part of that and so I would have uh, you know skill-based classes during the day and then in the evenings I would have a conditioning or a strength training mm -hmm. workout um, we would do a lot of, uh, I did a lot of kettlebell lifting over the last okay. decade or so. I got into competitive, uh, kettlebelling, uh, which would just basically like a strength endurance type, uh, sport. Again, another individual thing you're up there on a platform and you're trying to, uh, basically repeat a lift, whether it's snatches, clean and jerks or jerk, type, uh, type movements, but it's a, it's it's maximum reps in 10 minutes without putting the weights on the floor <laughs> yeah you, you have to develop a certain uh you know stamina a little conditioning first and then there's different levels you can compete at light weights and heavier you know great thing about weights is there's always more of them right you know mm -hmm. you can always get heavier so it's very scalable to any type of uh fitness level and you then you always have another goal and we'd host competitions where um you know every couple every maybe twice a year where we would have groups from all over ontario come and compete so you know i'd have that built in three times a week into my schedule where we're training a small squad together and then that would blend into my evening class of <laughs> martial arts you know and then so then i'd ride my bike back home and have dinner and do it all again the next day and uh you know so the the the, the hard stop uh whatever day that was and yeah. since then I've had to develop a definitely a very different schedule, you know, to try right. to keep, and, you know, uh, uh, certainly that was a, a challenge for a while, but I was uh, pretty fortunate to have a former athlete and a former TSN guy actually in my building. Uh, he used to be on off the record. His name is Gene Mack and he okay. played for the Argos and he's my garden neighbor. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we started chatting in the mornings and we decided to start working out. And so he's in his seventies now Perfect. And, uh, we, we started, yeah, we brought up a medicine ball and we can stay far enough away and keep our distance and we're outside. So we feel like that's as pretty much as safe as we can be anymore right now. Right. And we started doing a morning routine and, and, uh, now we've, I've got a handful of my other neighbors come upstairs and we do some gentle stretches. I live in a building is mostly seniors. So, uh, we do some uh, some traditional Chinese, you, you know, yoga type exercises together every day. And, uh, you know, usually before that, I sneak in my Wing Chun practice before that. And, uh, you know, then I'm, I'm done around 12 o'clock. So it's a lot shorter day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man, that, that's, that's very interesting. I was going to ask about yoga. That, and that certainly would be a crucial part of training. But what would you say is the age range of the athletes that you instruct and teach? Uh, you know, to me, there's no limit. I was, I was teaching kids as young as seven and my oldest student, uh, was in his seventies and wow. I was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. So there's all different, you know, there's different ways you can practice martial arts and that's the really the coolest things about it is, you know, at different stages of your life, it's going to be, you know, meaningful in a different way. Like when I was younger, it was more self-defense. Then I got it more competitive. 
then I got a little bit more, uh, you know, I wanted to learn more, you know, like, like learn different aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and then in teaching and coaching, you have to adapt to various different people. I did a lot of work in schools. You can see a chessboard behind yeah, me. I was yep. teaching after school chess programs, kind of mental martial arts. Uh-huh. Um, I was doing uh, high school programs with kids in, uh, in a couple local schools uh, that were self-defense based. And, uh, and then in my, uh, you know, my regular programs, my daily programs, was primarily adults, but it was, uh, over the years it's changed too. Maybe it's me that's changed. So a different demographic came, but after, you know, 20 years at it, some of my previous students were coming back with their young kids and huh. it was like, it became a family sort of thing. And it was really amazing to see how it adapted. And of course you have to adjust your, uh, your style a little bit uh, to, to suit who's who's interested, right? Yeah. And with the older with the older generations too, uh, you know, they're less less interested in competing. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more self development. You know, as a practice, like like yoga is a practice. It's not just something you're supposed to do once a week when you're stiff. It's something it's kind of it's like you put yourself into a mental zone, and you do your routine doesn't have to be the same every day, but you're, you're, you're trying to keep a certain, you know, a certain routine going with it. It helps because it becomes more internalized that way. I think yeah. that's, that's fascinating to train from seven into their seventies. That's uh, yeah. that's very the same class. <laughs> yeah. That's even cooler. Oh my goodness. Okay. So w- would you say like the younger people that you teach is the training, like how different is a training from 70 to seven to 70? Is yeah. it more self-defense? Generally, yeah. Well, the younger folks can, can generally do the more rigorous physical right. stuff, you know, to, you know, and, and I think that's important too. That's generally the way it would go. You, you know, and then as you get older, you have to be a little bit more aware. Everyone's got injuries to work around and things like that. Um, and the goals are a little different, too. You know, certainly as, as uh, you know, as a youngster, you should be really, yeah, the fitness is, is a huge part of it. And you need to get out that energy, right? And mm-hmm. whether that's doing a lot of drills, running, but jumping up and down, you know, calisthenics, all that kind of stuff is, is fun. It's a super important and then you carry that through to, you know, the later stages of your life. If it becomes a practice, it's a lot easier to maintain a certain level than it is to, you know, be up and down and up and down and up and down, right? So trying to find something that you like to do, that you can do, not necessarily daily, but for me, it's daily. I think it's important to have, you know, uh, a, a minimum amount. It doesn't have to be, you know, every day a marathon, but you know, a little bit of something is, is good. And, you know, that's, that's certainly once, once you carry that through to, to my later stages, I'm in my, I'm 45 now. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I'm not old, but I'm not young either. So I'm I'm trying to, trying to maintain a certain level and I can definitely still do what I want to do. Just not as much. (laughs) Yeah, I, I totally get that. Okay. We got into this a little earlier but uh, i understand that you have direct lineage to bruce lee's master expand on what you said a little earlier tell us that story yeah so uh so there's been some pretty famous movies with an actor named donnie yen called uh ip man i think there's four four of these in in sequel and it's based off of a real person and Ip man was uh bruce lee's master uh he uh, started training bruce lee when he was only 10 years old i think 
so according that's that's when my our grandmaster William Chung grandmaster if he's watching uh, he uh, he introduced Bruce Lee to this teacher when they were young in, in I guess they would have been in elementary school or the equivalent in Hong Kong back then and uh, obviously went on to uh, to be probably the greatest single influence in all martial arts history you know partly thanks to those you know great movies that he made and his philosophy left behind a, uh, a trail of books Bruce Lee did of course uh, Yip Man himself was a little bit quieter person uh towards the end of his life he only got on he only was filmed like once uh to doing his 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 sequences that we practice still today and he was like two weeks away from his his eventual death when that happened you know so you know the the uh the stories about him you know you know it could be like the fish tails you know like when you mm. caught the fish it was this big and then later on it gets bigger but <laughs> he's totally a legendary person and uh you know before my time you know but uh certainly the the bruce lee connection was something that was really fascinating when i first started you know and uh before you know youtube videos were so available we had these magazines and he was on the cover of every magazine even after he died he was on the cover of the magazine every every month he would be there and he was had muscles and he was great, you know, and he had these, uh, you know, great quotes that you could think about and wonder about. And so he was truly inspirational to my generation, certainly. And maybe nowadays they got someone else that's pretty cool uh, to, to watch, you know, whoever that is. But uh, he was, he was great. And so our, our my grandmaster uh, was his, his uh, senior, we call it like, it's like a like a family you know you're born into the family and so you're the older brother so he was kind of the older brother and i remember i was living in australia uh and i was the guest uh, instructor at the, their academy in melbourne and grandmaster was moving uh apartments and he needed some help so i was there and i picked up this shopping bag uh, a regular plastic bag with paper in it and i was like uh grandmaster what does this go and he's like don't touch that that's worth your life I was like, oh my God, what's this? He, just, he laughed a little bit after he said, oh, those are Bruce Lee's letters. And he had a stack of letters that was correspondence between them uh, for, you know, up until he died, he passed away that they had, you know, talked about all kinds of things. You know, I didn't read them. I was just so surprised that, wow, I'm like, to us, it's like royalty, you know, like, or yeah. some sort of magical person. He's a human, but, you know, we always kind of have this concept, right? of uh someone's larger than life like that oh that's that's such a cool story yeah. australia too to be there of all places in bruce lee yeah. wow I, that's that's amazing um we mentioned uh fitness and staying in shape and obviously that's such a crucial part of martial arts and kung fu but obviously given the nature of the sport injuries do happen what are the same what are some of the ways that you help athletes uh prevent injury and or and when they do eventually because it's going to happen get injured rehab those injuries Absolutely. Yeah. Martial arts injuries. Uh, there's like, obviously, you know, lots of scale. There's a lot of like contact type, type stuff. Um, so, you know, bumps and bruises, you know, strains and sprains. We make herbal liniments that are really good for, uh, um, you know, immediate like things like strains and sprains, swelling that brings that kind of down. Um, I'm, I've always been a firm believer in, in an active recovery as much as is possible, you know? Uh, so even if all you can do is walk, 
you got to get up. Uh, it hurts. Yeah. You know, but you got to sort of move, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that's how our body heals the best and fastest. And, uh, so, you know, sensibly, of course, you can't just, you got to train around injuries or practice around injuries, I guess you could say, but, uh, proper warmups are, are really important. You know, you can't just dive into hard, uh, hard things and then those type of warm-up exercises whether it's just simple like shoulder rolls or mm -hmm. you know wrists and you got a elbow or a neck or you got a hip or a back just doing a, a body scan can be a huge you know way to develop your awareness to what's really going on today you know tomorrow is going to be a little different from yesterday and, and you got to constantly be assessing and and then try to find a way to work around whatever is, you know, holding you back and, and try to, you know, try to treat your injury, you know, wisely too. In the, in the olden days, the Kung Fu master of the village was also the doctor, the bone fetter. <laughs> so you would go to the Kung Fu teacher for, oh, I, you know, so-and-so I broke my thumb or, you know, wrist and they would reset you, put you in a splint, give you some herbs to take you know, and, and tell you to get some rest and tell you when to develop, uh, you know, how to increase your activity level once you're on your way back. And, and that's, that's, I think, a part of the process, you know, and then as you, you know, go through that on a personal level, mm -hmm. you sort of learn what works, you know, from experience, and then you can help other people are generally, you're going to see a lot of the similar stuff, you know, you know, you, you hurt your hands, you twist an ankle, you know, you strain a muscle, you know, those kind of physical uh, activities, very similar. I'm sure there's a lot of contact in hockey. You're crashing mm -hmm. together. You're getting smashed over. Other than head injuries and concussions, you know, you got to take those a little bit. Yeah. You know, we take those a lot more seriously nowadays than I think, uh, <laughs> you know, and rightly so. Definitely. You know, certainly, you know, I've taken my share of hits and uh, you don't need to, you don't need to rush right back. You know, that's, that's I think, the, the key element uh, there. There's no magic way to uh, speed that up. In, in fact, speeding it up, I probably does more harm than good. Trying to jump back in too early, it's it's tempting when you're a competitive type person. You know, you don't want to be sitting sitting there watching. You want to be doing it. You know, mm -hmm. and and so it's you know, and and uh, generally, you know, fighters and martial artists aren't really used to having an off season. You know, right. like it's sort of a continuous thing. There's always something to work on, something to improve, and uh, Especially if you've been beaten, you know, you're like, oh, man, I really need to ah, get that fire how in. How did you catch me? You know, what happened there? You know, or now you got a lot of video replay, which is great for people to analyze, you know, inspiring things like that. Um, you know, what you did well and what you did wrong and what sometimes what you'll you see from a video isn't at all what you thought you were doing, <laughs> you know, it's like, mm, my hands were pretty low there. And, yeah. you know, you can address and, 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 you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta take those, you know, take that criticism and be, you know, strict with yourself and not, uh, you know, you gotta try to address those weaknesses, right. You know, cause your opponents will definitely key in on them and, uh, you know, not acceptable. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah, you, you, lear, you learn from your weaknesses and, and hopefully make them strengths uh, in the future. Okay, Ryan, a couple, a couple more before we let you go. You've been teaching the sport for quite some time now. How much, if at all, has it changed or evolved or developed during uh, the time that you've been involved with the game? Well, you know, a lot. 
I would say yeah. a lot. I mean, there's some certain traditional things that we will always maintain. And one of the great things about traditional marts, traditional martial arts uh, that I appreciate now so much is like we have these, uh, we call them forms in karate, they're called kata. And, uh, you know, they're movement patterns and things that you develop, you know, and that's the traditional way, probably a very solitary existence of a martial artist hundred years ago, unless you were in the army or something like that. And, uh, but those elements are, are, are critical. But with the modern, you know, mixed martial arts uh, development over the years, you know, you have to be able to uh, adapt and, and bring in some of the more, I think modern training methods have a mm. lot, uh, have influenced, you know, how we, how we do things, whether it's hitting pads more, uh, doing, you know, those type of exercises are, are pretty important, I think, nowadays. And also there's a little, a lot more access to information, sometimes too much, you know, we're spoiled <laughs> for choice, you know, it's kind of like, you know, trying to decide what to watch on Netflix is like, there's so much to choose. It's from. always such a challenge. <laughs> 20 minutes thinking about it. And then I'm asleep 10 minutes later after I decide. So you got to sometimes choose a specialty or, or something to focus on. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great martial arts that out there that are going to teach, you know, different skill sets, but all very important ones, you know, and a lot of life lessons that go along with it, right? But from a competitive level, it's changed. It's changed a lot because you have to be aware of what other strategies are, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of competitive martial arts. I don't always love the, uh, the, you know, what goes on around it, you yep. know, but uh, oh, the competition yeah. itself and the athletes and their level has improved, you know, greatly since the beginning of, uh, you know, of mixed martial arts competitions that we see regularly now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, those type of things, uh, you have to learn how to apply your own art, you know, and your own specialties and adapt it to what other people are doing, because it's not all about you. It's that exchange between, two people um, in, in the sport and different skill sets propose different problems, you know, and, and different solutions can, you know, have to come up, right? Otherwise you're going to get caught with the same thing over and over again. And so, you know, that's been a really important and, and amazing thing too, because you, you have to open up your mind to different ways, you know, mm -hmm. um, different ways of thinking and different ways of approaching it and the best way to learn how to avoid something is to learn a little bit about it right yeah. if you don't know much about boxing you know or wrestling or you know there's jujitsu levels then there's kick kicking uh, arts that specialize and now i think that there's uh you know uh, you know it's who can apply their skill set better you know to the opponent on a given day as well there's preparation uh, to those things um you know so i think hopefully you know hopefully martial arts in general is improving right it's supposed to my my master my teacher first told me you know your generation is supposed to be better than mine and the next one's supposed to be better because we have that benefit of the knowledge and experiences that we can pass on um which which grows with each you know generation if you will or or each incarnation of a new group of students has okay they're growing up with more to work with right huh. that's yeah. that's fascinating so you, you mentioned uh mixed martial arts the ufc 
that that's that was actually one of the first sports to come back in the in the covid world so to speak that in golf and yeah they're fighting in empty arenas right now empty arenas fight island it's it's kind of crazy but are there any athletes or who are some of the fighters that you you love to watch and you won't miss a fight yeah i mean uh that are uh, active right now uh there's uh one of the champions uh israel adesanya from Mm -hmm. i think he's from new zealand um yeah, uh, he he's uh, really amazing, amazing uh, skill set and athleticism. That you know, every every couple years, it seems like there's a, a whole another level of athlete that probably wouldn't have considered MMA in the past. You know, sure. there's not wasn't a lot of money in it when I was, <laughs> you know, back in the '90s or something. But nowadays, you could probably do okay. Um, I think he's a real special athlete. Certainly, um, you know, in the I think he's sort of in the the middleweight sort of uh, you know, and those are some of my favorite. I like the lighter weight. Yeah. Uh, they tend to be more active, and there's a lot more action going on. Uh, I'd say he's a standout for me. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Oh, boxing, that, that... yeah. In boxing, I also love. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, what do you call it intrigue in the heavyweight division right nowadays. <laughs> you know, uh, with uh, Deontay Wilder and yeah. Tyson Fury and some of their, um, you know, AJ out in Britain, they didn't seem to be doing a lot of great stuff out in the UK, um, you know, uh, in, in the boxing world, you know, so there's some, some looming fights there that should be pretty interesting. Um, yeah, they'll be fascinating to see. It's, it's fun watching those big boys go at it. And it's great because there's so many different weight classes and whether, you know, you're lightweight or heavyweight guys that there's, totally different yeah. ways you can uh, fight and get it done. But uh, Ryan, before we let you go, where can our viewers and listeners find more information about you? Oh, well, you know, uh, we've got uh, some Facebook groups, uh, the Toronto Wing Chun Academy, uh, my, my YouTube channel, Rai Kenfu on YouTube. You can look us up there. Uh, unfortunately, my website, uh, torontowingchun.com has a virus right now. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get it back up and running. I've been kind of delayed on that just to try to wait and see where we're going to end up. Uh, right now I'm just in a park nearby practicing, uh, you know, most days. Um, so, but that's, that's how you can find us and look at more about us on, uh, on Facebook there. And, and if you want to reach out and learn more about Wing Chun, I'm sure we're going to get some regular stuff back soon. You know, Toronto is a little bit behind the rest of Ontario. Hmm. I think gyms are just opening outside of the Hamilton, Toronto area. Right like tomorrow or this week sometime you know unfortunately we're a little bit behind here so we're gonna have the summer to find a way to to regroup and uh you know we'll we'll figure it out but i i really appreciate you having me on and uh you know getting a chance to you know talk about it because you know it's it's been uh you know, a little lonely, Not yeah. my, you know, my family and my students, we love each other. And, you know, we want to, we want to get back together. And, and I hope that everyone out there is able to do it smartly and in a way that's, you know, makes sense, you know. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, this has been fascinating to me because, you know, as I, as I mentioned to you, uh, corresponding before we got this going, I don't know much about martial arts, Kung Fu, uh, any sort of fighting for that matter. I'm a hockey and golf guy. So I've learned so much from this interview. I'm sure our viewers and listeners will learn a lot as well. Thanks again for your time. And hopefully you're back in the gym here uh, very soon. I can't wait. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Take care, everybody. Oh, wow. In your life, have you seen anything like that? 
Thanks again to Ryan Kennedy for joining me here on the Scully Scoop podcast. I certainly learned a lot from that conversation around martial arts and Kung Fu, and hopefully you did as well, Ryan. Hopefully you're back in the gym very soon. Well, don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube as well, available on SoundCloud. And I'll continue to post these episodes on Instagram and my personal Twitter account, Adam underscore Scully. Well, 18 episodes in the books. Looking forward to bringing you many more. It's been another fun edition of the Scully Scoop podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah.